Hello, everybody, and welcome to another SU Oddities. On this one, I'm actually going to continue. A few episodes ago, I want to say maybe uh, SU Oddities 3, um, I found this book. Very interesting uh, what I located. It's actually a book uh, about hell and uh, some of the real things that mankind has made up, uh, philosophies, thoughts, uh, just just very Kind kind of amazing how they lay it out. It actually is called The Devil's Atlas, uh, written by Edward Brooke Hitching. And uh, it's really very, very intriguing and very interesting. So last episode, we talked about uh, certain aspects of hell and how would you put them if you had to. What would hell look like in a physical realm? Size, shape, same thing with God, same things with everything else. How big would God be? Yada, yada, yada. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. But um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to continue here uh, as we talk about this. Again, more fascinating than anything, just uh, the belief of mankind. And (laughs) this is one that's been around for the ages, right? So here we go. Hell and the Underworlds. So welcome to hell. Right? <laughs> or, in the words glimpsed by Dante, as he passes through the gates to the inferno, abandon all hope ye who enter here. It was this imagery that inspired August Rolden to conceive his famous sculpture, The Gates of Hell, an infernal doorway through which the imagination of the viewer was invited to wander. Historically, there have been a number of true, certainly truly feared, earthly portals to the hells and the underworld of various faiths. While the entry requirement of expiration is invariably the same, though not always a hard and fast rule as we shall see, numerous features of real-world geography have played the part of nexus between earthly and spiritual realms. To reach the Hades of Antiquity, Kingdom of the Shades, one can follow in the footsteps of Orpheus and Hercules and visit the Cape Matapan Caves on the southernmost point of the Greek mainlands, or the Necromantean of the Ephraim of Mesopotamia. Uh, volcanoes, too, have long been associated with entrances to the fiery underworld. The Icelandic stratovolcano Hecla was feared in Christian tradition as the egress to Satan's fiery pit. In China, a look at hell can be found in municipal form at Fengdu called City of Ghosts, where landmarks include ghost torturing, pass and last glance at home tower, and where statues of demons performing their daily torches can be found around the town. Uh, Vacation, anyone? Wink, wink. Anyway. But what exactly are the workings of these realms of which these portals offer mere glimpses? Any exploration of global afterworld belief must launch in Africa, specifically with ancient culture possessing the most ornate death worship practices and elaborately imaginative post-death worlds to have ever ignited the minds of men. And then we jump to the Egyptians. Of course, I was waiting for the book to get into this. When we think of the ancient Egyptians, we think of death. This is because what has survived of their culture, which arguably more than any other obsessed and luxurated in the ritualized treatment of their dead. And they did. That's pretty amazing, actually. Um, The buildings of everyday Egyptian life made from reeds, wood, and mud bricks have long since perished. But the stone pyramid tombs of the pharaohs have resisted the violence of millennia to define our image of their ancient creators. Mummified corpses, their preservation considered essential for a contented afterlife, still lurch their way around the modern popular culture. The most famous relics called to mind when speaking of ancient Egypt are all funeral in purpose. The pyramid tombs of the ancient pharaohs and their various burial contents all serve some use in either ushering one to or helping one prosper in the duat, which actually is their term of the underworld. 
One of the most commonly uncovered types of artifact, the Yoshebde figurine, was designed just for this purpose. The doll-like figures, uh, and there's an example here. Uh, look it up again. That's uh, spelled U S H A B T I. Uh, I stumbled on this a while ago. It's very, very interesting. Uh, they were usually inscribed with a six-chapter text of the infamous Book of the Dead, which was the original title, which more accurately translates to the chirp here, <laughs> Book of Emerging Forth into the Light. Yeah, that does have a better ring to it for sure. A funerary text of magic spells compiled by numerous priests across 1,000 years to assist the deceased's journey through the Duat. The figurines were scattered among the other goods in the grave to operate as assistance to the deceased in their next life. Uh, they had inscriptions on their legs. Uh, basically, these little figurines announced their cheerful readiness to perform this servile task. And that's actually uh, what the what the figurines are for, evidently. So, The abundance of the Ushabdi is closely followed by that of the scarabs, the beetle-shaped amulets, and the administrative seals that, by early New Kingdom, were copiously deployed as part of the ritual protection items guarding a mummy in its tomb. The ultimate goal of the deceased Egyptian was to reach the blissful kingdom of Osiris and the heavenly Aruru, or the fields of rushes, the reward for terrestrially well-behaved souls. Decorative scenes of this lush place were carved and painted, hopefully, on the walls of tombs, uh, such as that of Mena, an inspector of rural estates buried in the Valley of the Nobles near Luxor. Um, the luxurious fields of wheat will be worked for you by <laughs> by the Ushabti, evidently, they, they believe. But to reach this paradise, the deceased have to journey through the hellish Duat underworld until they reach the Grand Hall of the Mayat for the weighing of the heart, a judgment performed by the dog-headed god Anubis under the watchful gaze of Osiris, king of the underworld. It is crucial to follow every instruction provided in the Book of the Dead to successfully pass this judgment, including memorizing the 42 chimeric gods and demons that one will encounter on one's journey, as well as the itinerary of halls that one passes through. Woof, they had 42 of those things, Jesus. The deceased must confirm they have not contravened any of the possible 42 crimes that would bar entry. I have not reviled the god. I have not laid violent hands on an orphan. I have not done what the god abominates. I have not killed. I have not turned anyone over to a killer. I have not taken milk from a child's mouth. I have not driven small cattle from their herbage, and so on and so on, until the full confession is made. Anubis then performs his judgment, weighing the heart of the deceased against a feather, which symbolizes the Egyptian concept of justice, harmony and balance known as miat. A righteous heart is as light as air. Any heart found to be heavier than the feather was rejected and devoured by Emmet, the eater of souls. These unfortunates simply cease to exist. So, yeah, I guess poof. Um, ta-da! The souls that pass the test are permitted to travel onward to Aruru. Even if one follows every instruction offered in the Book of the Dead and other similar texts that they had, it is still not an easy journey to the other world. The wandering dead have to negotiate both hostile terrain and spiritual booby traps. <laughs> Boobies. The tortures and punishments have failed this network of chambers, halls, and shadowy corners are physical and often bloody. But most curious is the inverse gravity of the realm. Just as the fields of rushes is a paradise of exaggerated earthly perfection, so the Egyptian netherworld is a mere image of natural order. The sinners, now in the underworld beneath the flat disk of the earth, must surely walk upside down as they tread the underside of the living world, otherwise they would simply fall off. This, it is believed, forced one's digestion to be reversed, meaning 
All right. Oh, sorry, listeners. I didn't write this. This it was believed forced one's digestion to be reversed, meaning excrement would cascade from one's mouth. Mm, well, we have politics. Yeah, there you go. In utterance 210 of the pyramid text, the oldest Egyptian uh, set of the funerary and magical uh, texts, we find reference to a pharaoh crossing into the afterlife and demanding a meal of roasted calf, then exhibiting anxiety that this could lead to disastrous results when combined with walking upside down. What I detest is feces. I reject urine. I will never eat the destableness of these two. Uh, evidently, that's out of the book. So, there's a lake of raging fire to avoid, um, common feature with a lot of hellscapes. You know, Egyptians weren't the only ones, uh, which is used like a giant barbecue cooker by hungry demons lying in wait. The wandering to sea should also avoid the underworld baboons, considered a mystical animal by the Egyptians, which are fond of decapitating unwary visitors. You know, I always thought it was cats. I never got baboons and Egyptians. Eh, eh, so be it. Beware, too, the ravenous hell swine, crocodiles, serpents, and wild dogs that also haunt the dark plains. Uh, platypuses as well. They were scared. No, I'm making this shit. There's no platypuses in Egypt. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, that's a snippet of uh, the Egyptians. Um, some I knew. Obviously, a lot of us, I think, kind of do because of the ritual, uh, how they buried their dead, what they believed in the dead. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, next, we will, looks like we'll go into some of the beliefs and the backgrounds to uh, Mesopotamia. So uh, more to come on that. But uh, yeah, again, just, you know, mankind's belief systems fascinate me. So uh, you're probably not as, uh, you probably aren't as fascinated as I am, but uh, very interesting to say the least. Anyway, close the gates.